0: Jesus is alive, and God is not mad at you. He's mad about you. And yes, even in the midst of this crazy world that we live in today, the Bible tells us that God loves the people in this world. Yes, we live in a crazy world. There's lots of crazy things going on, even right now. And this morning, I want to talk to you about why it is that we are able to rejoice even in the midst of a world that is hurting. I want to read our verse this morning with you from John chapter 16, verse 33. It says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now before we move on, I want to give you the context of this verse so that we can have a greater understanding of the meaning behind these words. You see, Jesus is at a point in his ministry where it's coming to a close. It's a Thursday night. He's in the upper room there with his disciples, and they're sharing a last meal together. Now I don't know if any of you in this room have experienced the loss of a loved one, someone close to you. But you know that those last moments you shared with him will always be in your memory. It'll be something that you remember because it's meaningful. It's that last time that you have with this person that you love and you're going to miss. That's the setting here when Jesus says these words. He's come to the end of his time on the earth. But the problem is that he's the only one that knows this. He's not sick. He's not laying in a deathbed. He's a healthy, vibrant, young man. A carpenter from Nazareth. A man who has a a full ministry ahead of him, his disciples thought. But God, his Father in heaven, has let Jesus know that he's going to be uh, crucified and then raised from the dead. Now his disciples are still trying to wrap their minds around that. They're trying to understand the fact that their rabbi, their leader and friend is going to die. And not just die, but die as a substitute For every sinner in the world, including them. So Jesus and his 12 appointed followers are sharing what Jesus knows is their last meal together before his death. And he knows that things are never going to be the same after this. But at the same time, Jesus knew that this was not necessarily a bad thing. Jesus knew that there were some good things that were going to come through his death and resurrection. So he began to give his disciples reasons to hope. And those reasons are still true for us today. Those reasons can still be the reasons that we find to hope and to be encouraged and to be comforted in a crazy, messed up world. Like what we're living in today. So it's out of this context that I've developed this message of hope and comfort for those of you today who are waiting for Jesus, who are waiting for things to get better. You see, Jesus knew that his death was not the end of the story. His Father in heaven had given him the power to come back from the dead, and his death was temporary, but nobody believed him when he told them. I mean, imagine today if I was to tell you, hey guys, I'll be dying, you know, tomorrow, (laughs) And by the way, I'll be back at work on Monday, so if you need to come and see me, you know, you guys would think I'm crazy, you'd think I'm full of it, you would think, man, this guy's lost it, he's off his rocker. But Jesus was saying these things and trying to get his disciples to understand this, but they were struggling. As that reality began to set in that they were going to be losing their leader, they began to grow sad, their hearts began to be in turmoil, they began to be confused, and doubts flooded in. So Jesus, all he can do at this point is to prepare them for what lays ahead and that's essentially what he's doing the night before he dies in chapter 16. He begins by telling his disciples that it's not going to be an easy road. Listen, church, it is not going to be an easy road. If you've thought that this life here on earth was going to be carefree, easy, full of blessings all the time, you're in for a surprise. Maybe some of you thought differently. Maybe some of you have heard or thought that if you just believe in Jesus, He's your ticket to the easy life, smooth living, the blessings of God. Many have thought that having Jesus in your heart means that you never have to get sick, that you never have to worry about making ends meet and paying the bills, that you never have to worry about not being blessed in this world, but you know what? That's not what Jesus said. That's what men have come up with, (laughs) trying to sell the gospel cheaply to us. But you know what? That's not the true gospel. The true gospel is that even in the midst of the pain and the suffering that this life will bring, Jesus Christ will never leave you nor forsake you. His power given to you through the Holy Spirit will give you the power you need to overcome the trials and the tribulations and the temptations that come your way. In John chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, we read this I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God. Verse 3, this is because they have never known the Father or me. How true those words of Jesus Christ have been since he spoke them and even throughout the history of mankind. The true follower of Jesus Christ has this promise. You will face persecution for your belief in the one true God. Holding and maintaining the course of true faith is not going to be easy. Because we live in a system of evil that opposes the truth and wants to suppress the truth and wants to do, or wants to cause you to be conformed into this, its image. But from the disciples themselves who were all killed for their faith to Christians in Rome under Emperor Nero to believers in Europe who faced the inquisition of the Roman Catholic Church to the underground church movement in China you'll find stories all around the world about true Christians whose experience as believers in Christ has been one of trial and tribulation. Why, even today, believers around the world are suffering. As we celebrate this Easter service, we need to be remembering them. We need to be remembering them and lifting them up in prayer, knowing that one day, the persecution and suffering that they face may come here to the United States of America. Why, we know that the people who claimed responsibility for the cowardly bombing in Brussels, they think that they're offering a service to God by killing those innocent people. But the truth be told, they don't know our Father in heaven. They need to know Him. Because if they did know Him, they would know that murder is not His will. And that the time of persecution At the time, the persecution against believers here in the United States is growing as well. Abortion remains, and anti-discrimination laws have been and are being put into place by the highest courts in the land. We have organizations like the NBA and the NFL lobbying state governors to not pass laws so that they can hold their tournaments there. It's a form of manipulation. It's crazy. I never thought we would face that here in the United States of America, but we are. These laws, I believe, are going to be used against Christians who refuse to compromise and choose to live according to what the Bible plainly teaches us. So knowing all of this, we know that we will have plenty of reasons to sorrow and to weep and to be fearful When you add to that persecution all of the other things that can go wrong in our human existence, we can be overwhelmed. We can look at life and go, wow, this is a crazy, messed up world. Think about it from the moment that you come into the world, the first thing most of us did was cry (laughs) in pain. You know, as we came into the world and the doctor slapped your back or, or whatever it was that they did to you, stuck a needle in your foot, you began to cry. And that was a cry of pain because you came into an environment that was harsh and void of the perfection of God. But Jesus tells us that we can have, in the midst of all of this craziness, we can have Peace. The disciples of Jesus were trying to comprehend what life was going to be like without their leader. And Jesus tells them, listen, I want you to understand something about this place. You're going to have tribulation here. But in me, you can have peace. You will have peace. It's a promise. Jesus goes on in chapter 16 to give his disciples at least three reasons that we can rejoice in his resurrection, in the fact that he is going to die and be raised again from the dead. Why Why we can rejoice in the midst of the craziness? Look at reason number one, to rejoice with me. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse five, Jesus begins to tell them about the Holy Spirit. He says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Hold on a second, let's read that one more time. Coming out of Jesus' own mouth, he knows it's better for him to die and to go away. He says, in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. That's John 16, 5 through 7. Now, the word for the Holy Spirit that's used by Jesus and, and translated in the Scriptures is advocate there. In the original Greek language in which this verse was written, it's the Greek word paraclete. And it can be translated as helper, comforter, encourager, or counselor. In fact, the word paraclete literally means One who is called alongside. So Jesus says, listen guys, I know we've been hanging out for the last three years. And and, and since you've been with me, we've done a lot of things together. And your lives have been blessed and I've protected you. But you know what? It's actually better for you if I die on this cross and go away. Because if I do, then I can send you the gift of the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter the advocate, the counselor, the one who is called alongside of every single one who believes in me. He's called alongside of you to bring my presence into your life and to let you know that I'm alive, that I love you, and that I'm working in your circumstances. Because Jesus Christ died and rose again, because he ascended into heaven, he has now sent the Holy Spirit to those who believe. Now, not just to those who believe, Jesus says. He goes on to say that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to work in the world. He's God's Spirit. And He's at work in our world. Now, think about this with me. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. And His humanity prevented Him from being everywhere at once. If we had Jesus here in the flesh, that would be awesome. But He could only be present here at one time. And so, millions of other believers around the globe wouldn't be able to uh, partake and enjoy in the presence of Jesus. But listen, God says, my spirit is coming and my Holy Spirit is not bound by a human body. He's God's spirit and therefore cannot be bound by physical limitations. What does this have to do with you today? Well, listen, the Holy Spirit is your comforter. Just as the disciples' lives would have been uh, full of trials and tribulations and temptations, just like you and me, it was a blessing to them to know that the Holy Spirit was with them. We can all attest to the reality that our lives have not been carefree either. We can attest to the reality that life is full of temptation, trial, tribulation, consequences of our sin. But did you know That we are not alone. Many of you in this past year have lost loved ones. Or seen a loved one walk away from God. Turn his back on God or her back on God. You've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus Christ's resurrection then can be a treasure to you this morning. Because you know the power of the Holy Spirit's comfort. Many people often say that they don't know how people without Christ make it through their greatest trials. I'll tell you how they make it through. They have the good gift of the Holy Spirit with them every step of the way. They know they're not alone. Jesus also said this, that he is now in the world and he's working How is the Holy Spirit working? He goes on to say that he's convincing the world of three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. In other words, the Holy Spirit is at work in this crazy, messed up world. He's doing things, even as I preach this morning, in people's hearts and lives here today. He is working to uh, convince prideful people like us that we are actually in great need of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's convincing the world of the fact that Jesus Christ and His righteousness is the only righteousness that we can come before God with. And the Holy Spirit backs up this conviction by planting the reality of God's judgment in our hearts, deep down in the hearts of all men you see, it's the idea that one day we will all have to give an answer to someone for how they have lived, how we have lived our lives. Secular humanism has tried and continues to try to suppress this truth about God. But try as hard as they might, what God has built into our souls cannot be undone. The Holy Spirit is even now convicting and speaking to some of you here today. And may I encourage you, not to suppress his voice of truth in your conscience. May I encourage you today to get right with God while you still can. So that you too may know the peace of God in the midst of this crazy world. Jesus wants his, his followers to rejoice in his resurrection. Because it means that he has sent us the good gift of the Holy Spirit. Who even now is with us and in those that believe. He gives a second reason to rejoice in this chapter. Our new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Skip down to verse 20 with me. We read the following words. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me. But the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. Some of you women just perked right up, right? When her child is born, Jesus says, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. will pause right there for one second. Uh, for those of you that are mothers out there today, you can identify with Jesus. It's amazing that Jesus, who is not a woman and was never married, but he knows exactly how you guys feel when your baby uh, a child is delivered into your hands. It's because he's God; <laughs> he he understands. Man and woman were taken and formed in the image of God, and so he understands the, the, the female side just as much as he understands the male. And and, and this is a this is a beautiful picture, though. Uh, for me, I've got four children, and uh, I could tell you that four times I I didn't I didn't have a child. But I participated in the birth, okay? M- mainly all I was doing was going, okay, that one was 30 seconds, babe. And she's going, just leave me alone, you know? Get out of my face. And, and I'm going, well, what can I do, you know? What can I? And, But I remember that, that sense of relief that flooded over me. And I remember looking at my wife in amazement as just seconds before she was screaming in pain. And then... In, in just a matter of seconds, with the baby in her hands, she's cooing and smiling and, and rejoicing and ready to have another one, you know? Just kidding. But that, that moment of relief, that moment of peace, that moment of joy, that, that, that what you've been waiting for has come, and now this baby, this healthy baby in your arms, and it's a flood, it's a sense of joy that comes over you. And so that's what Jesus compares This too. He says, listen, when the Spirit comes and my presence comes into your life, you can have peace and relief and know that I am with you. You have sorrow now, Jesus said there in verse 22, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. Verse 23 At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You'll ask the Father directly and He will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. During the Civil War, there's a story about a man whose son enlisted in the Union Army and went away to fight. The father was a banker, and it broke his heart to see his son go, but he sent him away with his consent. As soon as his son left, the father became deeply interested in the lives of the soldiers that he came across. And whenever he saw one, his heart would go out to that soldier because he would think of his own son. This father began to neglect his business at the bank. He began to invest his time and his money in caring for soldiers who came home wounded from the battlefields. But because his business began to suffer, some of his friends came to him and they said, hey, listen, we really need you to come back to work. And they convinced him to give all of that up and to come back full time to his bank. Well, one day, while that father was working in the bank, he noticed a soldier with wounds on his hands and face who made it a point to come and stand in his line that wounded man was trying to get something out of his pocket. He had bandages on his hands and on his face. The father got up and approached the young man. And he said to him, my dear man, I cannot help you today. I'm extremely busy. You're going to have to go down to the army headquarters and let the officers there take care of you. Well, the wounded soldier just looked at him in a confusion for a moment. And fumbled in his pocket and finally produced a, a crumpled and dirty piece of paper and handed it to the banker. The soldier or the, 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 the father opened it up and read the following words that were written in pencil, said, Dear Father, this is one of my friends who was wounded in the last battle, and he's coming to you directly from the hospital. Please receive him as you would me, Charlie. Everything that the banker had been convinced of by his friends about his business was immediately replaced with the conviction that he needed to help those that he could. He took that young man into his own home. He gave him Charlie's room. He gave him Charlie's place at the dinner table and he cared for the soldier until good food and love and rest had restored that young man back to his former state. Then that young man was able to go back to his place of service and again risk his life for his country. Now in that story, and I I love that story this morning, as I was preparing this message, that story touched my heart. It's an illustration of what God desires to do for us in heaven through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the Son of God, and all who believe this and become friends with Him, even sons and daughters of God, they share a new relationship with the Father, You see, when we come and we ask in Jesus' name, God looks and it's like that crumpled piece of paper and he says, hey, this is from my son. My son is asking me this. And I love my son. And I desire to bless him. And so God longs to treat us with the same goodness and loving kindness that he longs to show to his own son. All we have to do is to come to him and ask him in the name of Jesus' Now, in this new relationship, it's our privilege to come. We're God's child, and we can ask him now for anything that we need in the name of Jesus. Now, as I said, I have four children. Cyrus, my four-year-old, being my youngest, he likes to ask me for candy. And it usually sounds a little something like this. Can I please have some candy? (laughs) He doesn't pronounce his D's too well yet, so it's candy. And... I love it when he asks for candy at the right time, (laughs) because I like to give it to him. (laughs) I like to bless my son. But you know what? I don't like it when he asks me before breakfast, (laughs) because then I have to say no. I just have to. Something about the way I was raised, you know? But we don't give our kids anything they ask for, but we do love to give them what we know is good for them, and we do our best to give them what they need. Sometimes this world seems upside down, doesn't it? It seems full of hardship, but once again, the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes a difference. We can come, we can now ask for whatever we need daily in Jesus' name with confidence. We're to rejoice in this new relationship with God through Jesus Christ, made possible because Jesus is alive. Jesus knows it's going to be hard, but He also knows that with the gift of the Holy Spirit... And with your new relationship to the Father through him, you can make it. And he gives a third reason, and we're going to close with this this morning. Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus, in his resurrection, has overcome the world. Now, what does he mean when he says overcome the world? Let's look at the world first. The world, in the Greek word there, is cosmos, And it generally refers to the entire universe that God has created. But specifically, Jesus is using it to refer to the system of evil that took control of the earth in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, they betrayed God. And they fell under the sway of their own fleshly desires. They put themselves first. And that broke the sweet relationship of trust and dependency that they had with their father. Since that time, Satan has been using his influence along with the selfishness and the sinful human nature to accomplish some of his purposes. The result is evil and suffering in this world through sin. You want to know why there's evil and suffering in this world? It's not because of God. It's because Satan and temptation and sin. That's why we have suffering in this world. So when Jesus uses the term world, he's referring to the system of opposition to God. Opposition to the truth about God that persecutes God, or God's followers. Included in the world is the consequences of sin, which is physical death. Now, by rising from the dead, Jesus says, listen, I have overcome the world, the whole system. I've overcome sin, I've overcome death, temptation, everything that we experience here in this life, he wants you to know this morning, it is temporary. He has overcome it. And because he has overcome, he is our guarantee that we too will be overcomers. Just as we sang in that song, we will overcome by the blood of the lamb. That's the fact that he shed his blood for me and for you and justifies us so that before God we are righteous. We overcome by his blood because he died for us on the cross. But we also overcome by the word of our testimony. We have to be able to confess with our mouths, hey, I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe He is Savior. And I know He's alive because He sent the the presence of His Spirit that ministers to me the truth that Jesus is alive. Listen, no matter how bad this life gets, we, who are God's children, we know our future. A life in paradise awaits us in Jesus Christ's presence forever. No more tears. No more worries. No more pain, no more sickness, and praise God, no more temptation. Because of Jesus Christ's resurrection, we have a future full of hope and beauty. So, what are our reasons to rejoice today? Even though we're in the midst of a crazy, messed up world, how is it that we can have peace? Jesus tells us again, John 16 33, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We can have peace by being in Christ. Because in Christ we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Who is your advocate, your encourager, your helper, your counselor, your comforter. You can have peace in Christ because you have a new relationship to the Father. Asking for anything that you need in the name of Jesus. And God looks at that request and goes, what? That's for my son? I love him and I love whoever it belongs to him. And he's going to work and begin to move on your behalf. And we have peace because we are in Christ. Even though in the midst of trial and tribulation and temptation in this world, we can have peace. Now, the the key to having peace is not how much money you have, how much you can spend to be able to have protection and security. Having peace in this world doesn't uh, depend on how many friends you have or a, a nice home or good health. The key to having the ability to rejoice, the key to having peace in the midst of a crazy world is being in Christ. If you are not in Christ, That is, you are not in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by believing in Him, then none of these things we've talked about this morning are promised to you. They're not guaranteed to you. How do you know if you are in Christ? Jesus Himself gives us the test. We will have peace if we are in Christ. Let me ask you today do you have peace in your soul? Can you honestly say that if you were to die today, you know without a shadow of a doubt that you will go to God in heaven because he's your father? Or do you have a doubt? Do you wonder what God's peace is and desire to know it? Today, we want to give you an opportunity to respond so that you can know for sure. You might be thinking, well... (laughs) You don't know me. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve love. I don't deserve forgiveness. I'm not good enough. And I don't think I ever will be. I'm just here because I'm with the family. Listen, the truth is that nobody here deserves it, least of all me. Nobody here is good enough. We know that we deserve hell. We deserve judgment. But God is saying to you and to me this morning, come to Jesus. Because he is the one who took your place. He took your place and received God's anger against sin for you. He's the one who took God's judgment for you because God loves you. And he, wants, he doesn't want you to perish. God wants you to come home this morning. God wants you to remember who he is and how much he loves you. So here's how we're going to do that today. Today. Right now, I'm going to ask that the music team would come back up, and they're going to lead us in a couple of closing songs this morning, but we've set up a room across the hall in the back of the auditorium there on my left, your right, straight across that hallway, and we're calling it an inquiry room, and in that room, we have some counselors that are standing by, and they are waiting to talk to you to answer questions, And to pray with you about what you've heard today. And they would love nothing more than to introduce you to Jesus Christ this morning. So that you can have peace in your soul today. We don't want anybody to leave this place without having peace in their soul with God today. That is put there by the Holy Spirit and His presence in our lives. They're there also to pray for any prayer requests that you may have. Or your family may have. But God is calling you today as an individual, as a couple, as a family to respond to his invitation. Jesus was always inviting people to follow him. And we want to do the same this morning. So take advantage of this moment in time when God is speaking to your life about your future. Please consider what's at stake here. We're talking about your soul. We're talking about your life being on the line here today before God. Forget about the other people in this room. This is between you and your Creator. So will you leave this place today at peace with God because you are in Christ? Or will you leave still in turmoil, in fear, in doubting? Will you leave here today not being certain about your eternal destiny? Or will you take advantage of the opportunity that God is giving, especially to you this morning, to rise up from the seat, to put feet to your faith, and to go into that room and say, listen, I need to talk to somebody. I've got some questions. I've got some doubts. I've got some honest questions that I need to talk to somebody about this. And that's what we're here for this morning. I'm going to be there as well as soon as we uh, uh, wrap this up this morning. So you can get right with God today. You have that opportunity. How will you respond? Will you go to the inquiry room where, where these counselors are waiting to introduce you to Jesus so that you can know peace in your soul? We pray that you do. Let's, let's uh, all stand to our feet and let's, let's pray and then we're going to sing these songs.